If we only had a crystal ball, wouldn't that make life a lot easier? I know, I would have bought Apple or Amazon stock. In real estate, I'm often asked, where's the market going? Do you see prices going up? How long can this market last? Well, I wish I knew. But I do know that during this COVID-19 pandemic, real estate has defied all odds and the market, especially here in Toronto, has been absolutely crazy. Today, I'm going to talk to someone who follows all the elements of our real estate market and has a few more answers than I do. I'm Desmond Brown, and welcome to Sold in the Six. I work with Remax Hallmark, and Steve Tabrizi is our company's chief operating officer. Steve also gives us these great quarterly reports and forecasts for the market. And today, I'm lucky enough to have him here with me. Steve, thanks for joining Sold in the Six. Thank you very much, Desmond, for inviting me to your podcast. It's my pleasure to share some of my insight with you. Steve, you're the closest thing we have to a crystal ball. So tell us, what can we expect in 2021? It's a very interesting question. I get this question, first of all, for the record, I'm not an economist, but I have a big appetite for my background is engineering and when you become an engineer you become more analytical i over the years because i've been doing this in real estate for 25 years i basically became a big fan of the analytical and it was driven towards the market report and market stat so i become a and i call it an unlicensed economist for our companies oh yeah but we look forward to this from you all every quarter we do so crystal ball for this year, I would sum it up in one, uh, in few words, uh, rolling out of the vaccine efficiency, interest rate, and massive demand. Yeah. And we're starting to see that massive demand already. I guess, you know what, Steve, let's go back um, to March of last year when everything pretty well stopped. And just let's have a recap about that. So we've been we've been in the business for about 40 years. We have a one of the largest companies in Canada and uh, we sat March 17, I don't forget that day. March 17 we had a, a meeting in our boardroom and the engine of the real estate uh, in Ontario and perhaps even in Canada literally halted. So the performance of the engine if the engine was a 12 cylinder engine I use this terminology we went all the way down to three cylinder. We basically went down from 100% performance to 29% performance. So yeah, we were around the table looking at each other. We were just saying, what just happened? And the first thing that came to our mind, we said, look, this is not a financial crisis that is going to carry itself for years. We said, this is a certain imposed condition on us that we basically eventually will lift off. So we were from the day one optimistic, but we were not sure when this condition will be lift off. Yeah, and we're still not sure. So then we, we all had to adjust to it, of course, with more virtual showings and a lot of real estate has just stopped their business. Some of us did a little bit along the way. And then finally in around June, uh, the state of emergency was lifted. And then things started to take off. Correct. A lot of pent up demand maybe. Yeah. So what happened, 
the biggest thing that happened in our transition, I call it, that was the federal government. Federal government, initially in September, they came with some stimulus announcement, which wasn't effective. But then when the European started with the Netherlands and um, England, they basically came with the up to 75% subsidy of the wages. So remember, economy collapse when the consumers stop spending. Economy collapse when the highest rate of the unemployment goes through the roof. Federal government came with a multiple stimulus. One was PREC, one was 75% rate subsidy, commercial rent subsidies. So, and yes, we noticed from a 5.5% of the unemployment rate before the COVID, which was roughly representing of about a million Canadian in a country of the 37 million, we went all the way up to 16.5%, which was 3 million. And then around the June, we saw speedy retraction of the employment. Yeah. Why? Because many people, our company had about 200 employees around March 17. We basically uh, placed all of our staff on foreglow or temporary layoff, almost 181 of them. It was the worst and the saddest day of my life that I had to do that. Oh, it was so hard. Yeah, it, it, it was unbearable. But I was very happy to see the government is supporting. And also, I was very happy when the June started, we start calling everybody come back to work. So th those two elements of the stimulus package and the government support gave the confidence to consumers, okay, don't worry, economy is moving forward. So let's get back on the activities that we were supposed to get back. Sure, that confidence started to come back. Now you're saying it was 16% unemployment, correct? Yes. So let's fast forward to today where um, we had Benjamin Tall from CIBC at our annual general meeting this week, and he went over some of these numbers. And thank God for him, because I've got some great information here to be able to share and uh, to use to ask you some questions. So he was saying now that the unemployment rate is about eight and a half to nine percent, correct? Correct. Yeah, we are. We are sitting at about nine hundred thousand to a million people. Yes. OK. And that most of the job losses that were suffered in Canada were the lower wage earners. So let's talk about those people, the hospitality people. So yeah, two, two category, we had a major job losses. The industry that has suffered more than anything is hospitality, retail, and travel industry, tourism. So that industry is mostly majority of this employers, employ, employees are basically lower than $40,000 annual income, which in the category of the unemployment category, they call it lower wages, $34,000 to $40,000 a year. That's one segment. Then the other segment was many families, particularly uh, the female employees, they were hurt because now the closure of the school, homeschooling, uh, looking after maybe um, uh, elderly parents. So they by force, they didn't lose their job, but by the force, they had to basically resign or quit. That segment is a very small segment. The biggest segment of this half a million, if we want to go back to the pre-COVID, which was the historical low of the unemployment in Canada, five and a half percent, we have to figure out how can we recapture 400 to 500,000 people back again to the job forces. Yeah, we really do. Now, the one thing that that uh, Benjamin Tall did mention, though, that on the flip side of this, the higher wage earners 
saw their wages increase. Yes. Right. And they're sitting with all kinds of money now and itching to spend it. Well, it's a, it's a natural. Think about this. So we didn't lose the, the higher income people or even the people in our market. The majority part of our market is filled by millennial. Millennial are the 57% of the first time buyer. What category of age they are sitting? They're sitting anywhere in the age of 34 to 39. They have family, they have now kids, and they are ready to buy. Millennial also, historically, they have a very good job. They have high income earner, and they don't take no for an answer. So they go from one job to another job, and they, they are highly also educated. So millennial baby boomers, that they have all the good jobs, what happened to them? You can't travel. You can't go shopping. You can't go to a restaurant. Guess what? We increase our disposable income by anywhere between 65 to 9%, depending on the region. So our bank account for the first time is actually filling up and our affordability is increasing. Yeah. So that, of course, uh, led to many of them actually investing in more real estate. We need a bigger house. We're working from home a little bit more often now. Um, maybe we need a, a second property. I know a couple of my neighbors um, that bought properties in Collingwood and they're just their second properties. Yeah. So COVID, this pandemic also creates something I call it realization. Consumers, they realize um, perhaps everybody, I'm sure you and me, to set our priorities. Okay, we're lucky there will be a light at the end of a tunnel. But if something more drastic than this happened, I need to clean up my mess. Some people say, do I need this multi-million dollars home? I'm now being allowed by my company to work from home or maybe two days from home, three days from the office. And then the millennial also, they realize, okay, the market, millennial, they realize one thing. Millennial complained every year that the government got to do something to control the appreciation of the real estate market because we can't afford. The government, what it did this time, which they had to force to do it, they dropped the interest rate. We have a five years mortgage rate at almost sitting 1%. This is a lifetime opportunity for millennials. And millennials, yeah, a millennial, the one that they were smart, they had a condo downtown Toronto. They said, okay, let's cash out. I need a now a double car garage, a detach. So mm -hmm. they are all going to the suburb. Plus the baby boomers are saying, I don't need a $3 million home. Yeah. I basically maybe go downsize or downsize and additional equities that I have, I should reinvest more in real estate. Yep. And they sure did because our, our, our market rebounded like dramatically starting in June. And a lot of people were saying like, why did it rebound so quickly compared to what happened in 2008? So fill us a little bit in, well, fill us in on that a little bit there, Steve. Okay, so 2008, so Canadian government, federal, provincial uh, municipalities, they have a, a serious issue, issue on their hand in terms of the real estate in Canada. We are a diverse country. We are a country that has been targeted by multi-culture and immigrants that they would love to come to Canada because we have a, we embrace and we welcome uh, immigrants more than any other developed country. So for years, the immigration program has worked so well, but the government program in terms of 
managing the supply versus the arrival and demand is not working well. So the government, the latest tactic that they used in 2008 was uh, the mortgage uh, qualification. Uh, and that really derailed the market for a short period of the time because the bank, they become very tough in terms of lending practice. And they basically said, okay, if the mortgage rate is 2%, we have to qualify you at a 2% higher than that for qualification purpose, which is a 4%. The mortgage rate was 2% or 3%, but the qualification was two point higher than that. So it derailed our market for almost about the 10 months. Derailing it is basically just simply created a little bit of the difficulty to get the mortgage. And in mid-2019, by entry of the multiple mega lender institution that they were are not the, among the top five bank and start competing at a similar rate with the bank, that notion of also the mortgage uh, test rate really disappeared. So the government has tried in the last 10 years to do as many things that you can imagine to sort of uh, drop the market, make it a steady, but they are missing one factor. Unless we increase our supply, this madness, this will continue for years to come. Yeah. And when you talked about the test, the, the, the uh, mortgage test, um, they also called it the mortgage stress test. Remember? So qualifying for approximately two percentage points higher than what your, what your mortgage is, just to make sure that if you did get in trouble, you would still be able to keep your home. Correct. Correct. So you remove a segment of the buyers from the market, and those buyers, they were not ready to leave Toronto. So what happened also in our real estate market for years, for decades? So Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal are the three hubs. But from 2008 and to now, and COVID basically put it on the steroid, consumers, they are realizing, look, I don't have to live in Toronto. I can live in Barrie. I can live in Pickering. I can live in Ottawa. I can live in Kitchener. So many suburbs, many smaller urban centers, they are now growing at the very similar speed of the Toronto or maybe even higher. This could be an indication of what we can expect in 2021. I'm standing outside of a home in the beaches. The house that it's attached to sold back in November for $850,000. We listed this house for $999,000 and it sold in just one day for close to asking. And the owner, well, she's leaving town and heading to Peterborough. So now we're starting to hear, like we have these Facebook pages um, for our company and some of the people in the surrounding areas are starting to complain saying, somebody listed a property of $499,000 and they had 38 offers. And oh my gosh, you know, why are people doing this? And I, I, I replied to the agent that posted that and I said, Welcome to Toronto. We've been doing this for 10 years, or we've been dealing with this for 10 years. And it is very frustrating, but this is what's going on now. So back to the people who can, um, you know, move out of the city and work from home. I think we're going to see more of a hybrid model, though, right, where the corporations, companies are going to say, look, we'll have you in a couple days a week, and then you can work from home, you know, two or three days a week as well. So that's really helped drive the market in, in the outskirts of Toronto as well, right, Steve? Well, that's one factor. Initially, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a survey done by the Abacus data. 70% of the people, they said, if I can work from home all the time, I love it. I will even take a wage cut. 
they just did a research recently and it shows same 70% of the people, they say, no, 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 no. I don't want to always work from home. I want a hybrid model. I don't mind one day a week I be at home, two days a week from home, but I like that interaction. Exactly. So COVID reinforced actually that the society needs the interaction. And without the interaction, many businesses will not survive. This online, online nonsense, yes, it does exist, but it's still that customer service, that experience is really matter. So, and what another thing happened in a year and a half, uh, the infrastructure for our transportation system was really bad. Finally, in 2019, the provincial government and the cities, they start to expand on the infrastructure of the uh, subway system, highway, um, rail. uh, And now many people, they said, okay, I don't mind to go to Picking or Barry because I know there is now additional services that I can get back to the core. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or or many companies are saying, do I want to have my head office in Toronto pay high rent, high taxes? No, I'll move my head office. I move my operation to the suburb area, but I keep my small executive team that needs to be involved with the interaction of the other partners in the city of Toronto. So their footprint in Toronto is shrinking, but their footprint in the suburb area is expanding. So they are going to the area that the people can buy the home and they can hire from the local people. Uh huh. Well, that leads me to this. Okay. So let's take a look at these elements again. So unemployment's at just eight and a half to 9%. We have the low interest rates. We have uh, the, the high wage earners earning more money, paid, paying off debt, saving money. Yeah. And still, we have a crazy real estate market in Toronto, but we have, fif- we have 50 less people living in the city of Toronto right now as a result of COVID and people moving to the outskirts. So we're net 50,000 less. However, what some people seem to forget about that is that immigration is always a big driver for the city of Toronto. And since March, we've had no immigrants coming in. So I think that's going to turn around. Don't you think so? Well, the the immigration arrival dropped by almost almost 64%, but federal government has acknowledged that the immigration is a big engine force of the economy. So instead of the annual quota of the 400,000 that coming to Canada, they now announce a speedy process of the three years program, close to 1.2 million people. Guess where the 1.2 million people are going to go? Toronto, Ottawa, big centers. And even if the one point, if 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 Toronto by itself or GTA by itself just only bring 200,000 of these new immigrants, which if you divide it by a family of the let's say four, we have 50,000 families coming here. The first thing they might need, at least to rent a place. The rental is the initial for any investors to buy a property, rent it to the rental, and then the cycle starts. Yep, exactly, exactly. Now, the other thing that we have to keep in mind when it comes to immigration now in Canada, and more particularly Toronto, is that we have a new administration south of the border in the U.S. 
where their immigration policies are changing. So we're going to have more competition. People are going to start choosing the U.S. instead of Canada. I don't know why. <laughs> well, yes and no. There are four countries that uh, I have talked about this all the time. So there is U.S., England, Australia, and Canada on the top four list of the immigrants when they choose to live. If they had an option, easy option, to move to U.S., they will choose U.S. But unfortunately, U.S. historically, their immigration policies, even Democrat or Republican, has not been as friendly as what it's been the Canadian. These immigrants, they don't love the winter, they don't love the cold, but because the Canadian policies is much more easier and more receptive towards the multiculturalism, they're coming to Canada. I think it's still even with the change of the border, I think we're still going to be a winner among against the U.S. U.S. right now is Biden is going to be very focused on recapturing the reputation of the American and making sure the American they have the respect that they had prior to the Trump American uh, and also cleaning up the um, uh, internal affairs that they have the mess that they have and one of them is obviously is the COVID issues that they have so I'm more optimistic that at least for the next two three years the Canadian immigration policy will win over the American policy. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about that. Okay, so you're an immigrant, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. Why did you choose? You came from Iran, and why, why did you choose Canada? I immigrated uh, 32 years ago. Yes, 32 years ago to Canada. And one of the reasons I immigrated, immigrants, they choose to immigrate for multiple reasons. Political turmoil in their country economic issues in their country, better education, future opportunity, and safety and health. So think about all these reasons. Canada has been one of the most stable countries on the planet. Canada is called the Switzerland of the North. Canada embraced the immigrants and respect the immigrants, similar to the Canadian who's born here. Great education system, great health system, and if you really embrace the culture, I'm very proud to call myself Canadian with the Iranian heritage. I love Canada and I will die for Canada because Canada was a country that provided me the opportunity that I wouldn't have anywhere else. So these are the reasons, and I would call it a real good candidate immigrant will choose Canada versus U.S. I had many times opportunity when after I moved to Canada to move to U.S., and I always said this word, uh, Desmond, I said, Toronto has been good to me. I'm not moving anywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm so happy that my parents chose Canada. My, my, my parents came from Jamaica back in 1947. Wow. So um, I, I often just, I, I just count my blessings being here in Canada, being born in Canada and, and being a Canadian. And I'm just grateful to my parents for choosing this wonderful country. I remember, I remember you when I arrived in Canada, when you were still with the TV and media, I was watching <laughs> always your reporting. And I said, this guy is a smart guy. I like your voice. Your <laughs> voice always was resonating on the TV. It was amazing voice. It still is. Oh, oh, you're too kind. All right. I'll give you that hundred bucks later. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, now, another thing um, from our meeting this week that, uh, that the, the deputy chief economist from CIBC, Benjamin Tall, mentioned was that the exodus from Toronto that we were just talking about um, was always there. It's just that COVID accelerated it. Correct. Correct? Correct. 
the reason it was there in the last three years, let's be honest, and I will tell people and people, many of our agents, sometimes they would be upset. I have two young children and my wife is, is, was against it sometimes, argue with me. Let's be honest, Toronto has become a mega cosmopolitan global city. So there are advantage and disadvantage. One of the disadvantage that naturally has caused, Toronto is not affordable for everyone. So when Benjamin Tao talk about the exodus, it's a natural change that's going to happen. Even if the COVID wasn't, it would happen because think about it, London, England, Paris, New York, everybody would love to live downtown New York, but they can. That's why there is a Jersey. They go to Jersey. In Paris, the same thing. In London, the same thing. So other jerseys are all over suburb. And the su it's great, actually, for the economy. Why would you want to have a, a suburb called Durham or Hamilton or Barrie that there was no buzz, there was no employment, there was no engine of the economy there? It actually has created a balance across Ontario. And that's what we love to see. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's get into 2021 now, what we think is going to happen. Um, the winter may be a little bit slow, right, Steve? But when do you see it picking up? Uh, I disagree. So fasten your seat, fasten your seatbelt. Okay. Uh, buyers, be smart, listen to your agent, and don't shop around too much because your option will be very limited. And I'm giving you this advice, not because I'm in real estate business. I'm giving you this advice sincerely because if you lose on those opportunities of the first or the second or a third, by the fourth one, the price has gone up. Sellers, you have to understand that if you are maybe moving within the same area, you might have a difficulty, but it's a tremendous opportunity for sellers to do two things. Cash out their equity and rebuy other properties in a different growing area, or if they don't want to move, take equity out of their home and invest in real estate. We have short supply right now. Yes. So that's why you're saying if you're out there shopping right now, then don't dilly dally around, you know, get something, listen to your agent and get something as soon as you can. From the seller side, and I've got this dilemma with a couple of my sellers right now, my plan with some of them is to actually get their house on the market as soon as possible because they're going to take advantage of a fantastic market for a seller right now. And if they have to buy something else to give themselves like a workout, like a 120 day closing, you know, a 90 day to a 120 day closing, because I'm anticipating that we will be getting more product on the market and then they're going to have the buying power with not as many uh, comp competitive situations and they'll be ready to go with uh, firm cash offers unconditional because they've already sold their house and they know exactly what they can spend on the other end. Great advice. You are basically positioning your seller to be on a driver's seat. You sell now, you sell high because there is hardly any uh, inventory and you also dictate the terms and the condition of your contract to the buyer which is, as you mentioned, longer closing, four or five months. And historically, it will happen, I agree with you. You will see from the mid-February to the end of February, the inventory will increase. Yeah, it because, will. Yeah, it will. It will. We've been through these, uh, we've been through multiple crises 
economic crisis, war crisis, now the health crisis, the inventory will come up because the springtime consumers' mindset is totally shifted and is different. Yep. So things are looking pretty good, especially when the vaccine's in full rollout, when the doors open again for more immigrants to come in with the low interest rates. If you're a seller, don't worry, you can have a long, long closing because you're still in the driver's seat and the buyers are going to wait to close. They will wait those three, four months. Yeah, when you are on a driver's seat and when you have a firm deal on your selling side, so you basically have this ability to make a decision as soon as the property shows up versus being worried, shall I buy this property before I'm selling my property? Sell first with your terms and condition and then you can shop around with the peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, luckily I've been working with buyers who are really eager to buy. So we will get out as often as we can. If something comes up, I'm out with them right away. And they're actually calling me saying, let's go. And we've been very lucky over the last couple of months leading up to Christmas was really busy for me. And even this month of January has been really busy with a couple of sales as well with people who are just, we're just waiting to pull the trigger and we found something for them. Um, one of them was a condo. And the condo market, I think last week, one of um, our agents posted that of the just over 1,000 uh, sales in the 416 area, uh, January to date, 700 of them were the condos. So even though um, the prices for condos are not going through the roof, we're not seeing high prices there, they've, they've reached a level and they are selling again. I have a market report that coming out next week uh, that I will share it with you. It's that you're more than welcome to share it with anyone you wish. I actually talk about it because I just finished it. So COVID, ha any crisis will create opportunity in a segment of the real estate. What happened to the condo market because of the foreign student, because the closure of the universities, because of the lower income category lost their job. So the rental market dropped an increase of the inventory on the rental market. And for a couple of months, we had a stagnant increase of the inventory of the condo for sale. But guess now what is happening? The condo is a shining star because people are saying, oh, look at this condo. A year ago was selling for $650,000. Now I can buy it for 600. So people, the buyers who are out there, because I assure you by sometimes June and July of this year, the condo market will have the strongest rebound again. So you got maybe a three to six months window to literally catch some great condos and at the price that you could not even imagine a year ago. Yeah, I, I would actually say more like three months. We've been seeing this happen now for the last the last couple of months. And I'd actually, yeah, we, just before Christmas, people were commenting like, wow, the condos are selling again. Just like that. Anyway, that's fantastic information, Steve. Okay, so things are looking great for 2021. We're just about ready to wrap up. And we're looking at a very strong market coming up over this next year, correct? Look, immigrants are coming. Economy, unemployment is keep dropping. It's opening. Immigrants are coming. Economy, unemployment is keep dropping. Eight and a half versus five and a half is not a big major. And think about this, the minute economy, everybody in federal government talks about September, 70% of the population will be vaccinated. I will assure you, you will not be able to book a restaurant between September and December weekend because the hospitality, tourism, 
for the next year, retail, mall, it's going to be a gangbuster. What is the gangbuster means? Consumer going to spend all those monies that they save on the economy. What is going to do to the real estate? Real estate is going to get 10 times faster and more rapid and more dynamic. So we will have this journey, 2021, even probably two-thirds of the 2022. All right, Steve. Excellent. I'm optimistic about this next year. Thank you so much for joining us. I really hope you can come back again. Thank you very much for inviting me. I would love to be on your show again. Okay, great. Thanks very much. And that's Steve Tabrizi, the Chief Operating Officer of REMAX Hallmark Realty Group. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. And I'd like to thank my producers, Podcasts That Pop. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Sold in the Six and you'll start receiving new episodes automatically. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is Des in the Six. That's six spelt with the number six, I-X, you know, the cool way. And I also have a website. Check that out. It's in the six realestate.com. If you have a story idea or just want to get in touch with me, feel free to email me at des at desmondbrown.ca. I'm Desmond Brown. Until next time.